Hey, fellow cyclists and friends, has anyone told you how amazing you are? Yeah, you. Yeah, it's true. And I just want to let you know that I've been thinking about you, the new year's coming around, and I hope you have the most amazing week and the most amazing holidays. Now, our podcast is clearing a hundred thousand downloads thanks to you guys, and I just want to shout you out. You guys are so amazing, but I have something really special for you. Continue listening. You're a woman, this is totally for you. The four-week cycling skills workshop benefits all women. These skills can be implemented immediately on the bike and trainer, cycling outside, indoor cycling, on a spin bike or peloton. All your current frustrations and questions will be answered guaranteed. If you're interested in joining me, don't wait another moment. With this link, you can get started at the beginning of each month. I know you're trying to decide whether or not to check out the four-week cycling skills workshop for women, but I don't blame you. There are so many other online cycling training platforms that offer cycling routes and training sessions, but there but here's what makes my four-week cycling skills workshop different. First of all, it's taught by someone who's not just starting out but actually has is pretty experienced. I've been working with free clients in my cycling club, Cyclefit Chicks, all the way to Canadian national female cyclists. And I continuously update my coaching tactics to help beginner to advanced cyclists level up with these cycling techniques. Hardly anyone is talking about. Secondly, the four-week cycling skills workshop for women is so much more. A lot of times there are online cycling training programs that teach you how to train intensely but don't, don't but actually don't help you develop the fundamental cycling skills and techniques such as gear management, hill climbing, strength, power and speed and nutritional timing in order to effectively become a faster, fitter and more efficient cyclist and well-rounded athlete. And also there are very few courses about cycling that actually teach you how to develop a smooth, efficient pedal stroke. The four-week cycling skills workshop for women aims to fill both these gaps in the cycling in cycling training. Not to mention, the workshop provides the recordings of the explanations, demonstrations, plus homework. In addition, you will gain access to a library of over 100 strength training workouts to help you level up and that is all on top of the core curriculum you already get when you join the workshop. So it's safe to say I'm delivering incredible results coaching over a thousand female cyclists through my cycling club and now it's even more exciting to impact more female cyclists globally through my four-week cycling skills workshop for women. You can't go wrong when you join a workshop developed by a woman for women. It's time to level up and remove the frustrations. So if you're ready to join, just click the link that you see and secure your spot today in one of the next four-week cycling skills workshops for women's sessions. Now before the new year with um, this amazing deal, a 25, 25% off until December 31st. Limited spots available. Don't wait another minute. Click the link and roll today and I can't wait to see you on the inside. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, 
fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dao. And I am super, super, super excited to bring this guest to us today. It's Jay Big. And I found him on Instagram. He's doing some phenomenal stuff. Um, uh, Jay was born in Rwanda in 1979, but immigrated to Kenya and South Africa at a young age before permanently settling in Montreal, Canada, which I am actually right down the highway from him. So it was even more exciting that he was a Canadian cyclist um, and now has turned, you know, he's been using music. Uh, he's been uh, become a DJ, a cyclist. He has some really amazing missions that he's on. Um, one of which is starting, and if you haven't uh, followed, you aren't following him on Instagram, you should definitely go and follow him. Um, he is on a mission to cycle around uh, the U.S. He's going to start in January. His mission is for uh, children of rural Africa, especially girls, to be able to attend school by actually being able to get their get there in the first place by way of bicycles. So we're going to learn more about that um, in his tour, which starts in January. He's hoping to meet many cyclists from children to pros who will tag along for a kilometer or a few. I start seeing people who are like, yeah, just count me in on here or this state and I'll ride with you. <laughs> so maybe uh, we're going to hear more about that from Jay. And so just before, if you want to donate to this cause, it's World Cycling, World Bicycle Relief. So I'm going to add all the links in there for you. But Jay, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to have you here. Uh, thank you for having me. So let's get into, um, I always like to start the podcast with, you know, how did you get into cycling? And maybe you can go back to you know, your when you immigrated to Canada, you know, what was that like? Well, um, I got into cycling uh, six years ago, I mean, seven years ago or something, you know, so it's pretty okay. recent. I mean, um, I moved to Canada, uh, maybe, uh, actually not maybe, I moved to Canada 20 years ago. And, you know, immigration is immigration. You know, there's nothing, you know, it's just immigration. And... Uh, but I got to cycling by accident one day, you know, I actually had lent one of my friends, I saw her on, on Facebook and she was taking the metro. And I told her, oh, why are you taking the metro with your daughter? What's going on? And she told me, oh, my car is being serviced. So I'm taking the metro. And then I told her, well, I'm a DJ. I'm during the week. I don't use my car. I only use it in the evening. So, you know, I can drop off my car to your work and then you can just drive it during the week. 
and then you know when you're done with it i'll fetch it and and then she said oh that would be nice of you and you know and then i did that and then on the way back home i walked by a bike shop and <laughs> and then i saw one bike that looked very nice and i'm and you know and i said oh i like that bike so i walked in and asked about the bike and told me yeah it's for sale it's not just uh, for exhibition and from there they you know the gentleman said you should know you should know however that it's a fixed gear bike and i said what is that and he explained <laughs> to me and he explained to me it's you know like one axle this and that and i still couldn't get it and he's like you know what how about you try this other similar bike and then you ride it around the block and you figure out what it is I rode, it yeah. and I, I rode it and I fell over because the pedals kept spinning yeah. and I'm like, oh, so this is what it is. But I really liked the way it felt and I'm, you know, it felt, I felt one with the bike. So I took the bike, you know, I mean, I, I bought the bike right there and, and then I started riding around Montreal and I mean, and I realized that I had, as a DJ, I have a lot of free days. You know, I mean, because during the day, my, you know, my days are pretty, I work at night and I work mostly on weekends. And I, I usually fly, you know, I usually travel abroad because that's where I'm the most established. So when I'm in Montreal, I have a lot of time. So I started riding around. And when I rode around, but I got it back in June. And by October, I realized I've ridden 5,000 kilometers. And that's when wow. I told myself, wow, that's almost from Montreal to Vancouver. And that's where the first, the idea of uh, riding for, you know, across Canada first came about. Wow. So when you're in Montreal, because I used to live in Montreal, what bars did you DJ at? Um, I DJ at uh, clubs, I've DJ at, uh, you know, uh, people, I've DJ at the W Hotel, I've DJ at a place called La Champagnerie, uh, I've DJ at Buena Note, I've DJ at uh, Globe. I mean, I played... I've been here for 20 years, so I pretty much, I have done my rounds. Yeah, well, I think I lived there <laughs> early 90s, so maybe we missed each other. <laughs> yeah, I moved here in uh, 2002, so. Oh, okay, yeah, so I was there like 90 to 95. Yeah. And then, because I'm not, I, like my, my hometown isn't far from Montreal, and I went there to go to school and work, and then, I moved to Ontario, to Ottawa, to where I am now. So right. I was like, oh, I don't wonder. So, all right. So, so how did you start building your name as a DJ? Like, I'm going to have to listen to some of your music because obviously I, I didn't get to that part yet. Um, but how did you start building that, that niche well, for yourself? When I moved to Canada, I was already a DJ. So, you know, so I've been, I'm 42 years old and I started in high school when I was 14 by being a DJ. And so, and it's my career. It's actually, it's my profession. So, you know, I guess like most professions, you know, if, you know, it, tend, it seems that a lot of people like what I do. So, and from there word gets around and then the media and this and that. And I also have my music that I stream online and a lot of the fan base came from the internet. And then it took on, you know, with, with the whole going viral thing, you know, it took a laugh of its own. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you moved to Canada in 2002, uh, you know, Facebook didn't come about till 2007. So I can just imagine what happened when you got online. Uh, yeah, I mean, then. way back when, you know, there were still other social networks, you know, there was MySpace, yeah. there were other things. Oh, you know? yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where all, yeah. So, I mean, 
first, the internet itself, you know, you, I had my own website. I've always had my own, own website so people could find me, you know, through Google. So, yeah, so, and then the good old email newsletter. So there were ways before Facebook. Since you travel a lot, is your um, equipment very, like, tiny, like, pack-worthy? Like, it, you know, because I've seen DJs with lots of, you know, tables. Are you able to travel lightly because you go, you're traveling abroad so much? Uh, those are mobile DJs. Like, the mobile DJs are the ones that go from events to events, you know. So Oops. I'm a nightclub DJ. So a nightclub DJ means that I just have to carry my music because the nightclubs have their own equipment. So that is the difference. And yeah, if I get into situations, if I get into situations where, let's say, I'm traveling to, you know, to, like, to like, let's say, to Geneva, and they don't have equipment, then part of the contract is for them to get the equipment locally and have it have it set up when I, you know, right. for so when you I get there. can just show up. Ah, yeah, so I only show up. I mean, and way back when I used to you to travel with records. Now I can just travel with a USB flash drive with my music on. So yeah, yeah. in that aspect, <laughs> it's gotten better. Wow, traveling with vinyl! Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. <laughs> so moving forward, now you've gotten into cycling, and you've was tell me uh, or share a couple of the. I guess, events that you've done yourself, or I guess not events, like maybe tours, or have you always um, ridden for a cause or did it just start for your own enjoyment and challenge? When, explain so like how you got started. That, so after getting that bike, when I said that, I said, oh, I should ride across Canada. Yeah. Uh, so within six months of getting that bike in January, on January 31st, uh, 2016, I decided to ride across Canada on a different fixed gear bike. And, you know, from coast to coast to coast, which was in the middle of winter. And, you know, and I just needed an escape from, you know, I needed some sort of sabbatical because I was a little bit overwhelmed with my professional life. And, you know, I was, I was in my, you know, I was 37 and I was, you know, asking myself about the future, what's next. And, you know, I needed a break. So I just went to ride across Canada and for 15 months, I rode all the way from Montreal to, you know, I went all the way to St. John's, Newfoundland and I turned, I turned around and I went to Vancouver. And then from Vancouver, I crossed over Vancouver Island to Victoria. And from Victoria, I went all the way north to the Arctic Ocean. And wow. in the process, uh, yeah, in the process, I tended to break the Guinness World Record for the longest journey in a single country which actually broke, but before it got uh, verified, somebody else broke it in a different country. You know, the road around Australia, they rode a little bit longer than I did. So I broke it, but I don't have my name to it. So basically I don't, you know, it's not mine. It's that other person. Well, you had it, so but that's the, all <laughs> But the most so important thing was for me to, to just discover Canada and, you know, escape a little bit. And, but maybe I could, I could have picked a better time of the year but it's, yeah. it was I was say you started in Montreal yeah. in February. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, Hmm, I was going to ask you what your, uh, what your gear situation was like, like how, how long did you travel a day? Cause it's uh, cool. So during the day I would I travel. Think. 
I would travel depending on my location, my destination. For instance, because I always I did not camp, so I was always uh, uh, using like you know staying indoors. So it would depend on the on the if a city was hundred kilometers away, I would drive hundred kilometers. If a city was hundred, if my next stop was two hundred kilometers, so then it would be two hundred kilometers. So and and sometimes I would take you know it was an escape, so I, I wasn't pressed for time. And sometimes I would stay somewhere for, you know, for a few days, you know, to relax and then keep going. You know, that's why it took me 15 months. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, maybe I'll just stay in Newfoundland until June and, and then continue uh, biking across. Wow. That's, um, yeah. So what happened? So in that time, I mean, like 15 months, what did you, what did you come out with like because you said you're you know you're it, it was a time of your life where you're kind of wondering where you want to go um what did you put together in that time for yourself uh I really you know I really came up with a conclusion that first of all I need to speak to a professional regarding mental health issues because you know it's something I never really considered and I said okay I have a lot of questions and I don't know how to navigate them so perhaps I should go and seek professional help and I want to see a psychoanalyst after my ride and, you know and I was able to get some clarity about you know my inner dialogue and how I speak to myself and how I, you know and from you know and I was able to actually unclutter my mind which was I guess one of the you know I, I guess before I had gotten overwhelmed and I did something about it and then I decided that you know there was nothing wrong with my life and the way I live my life if as long as it's what worked for me so then whatever society thought of me of it it seemed that it was their problem not mine you know and i should just live my life you know on my, on my terms because so far it was working out for me and that was worth taking 15 months for to go think about it yeah because yeah. uh yeah it does come down to i mean as long as you're having a lot of fun and enjoying what you're doing why would you change it right mm-hmm yeah. And adding cycling to the whole mix, which is kind of, which is really cool. So in that time, did you, were you completely hundred percent off of DJing or did you end up doing some little jobs along the way or just. Well, saying, um, hey, word got around. In- yeah. <laughs> word got around, obviously that word got around that I was obviously cycling across Canada. So in some cities, I would make, you know, I, I made some stops in Toronto, Ottawa, you know, in uh, Calgary and Vancouver, and even in Saskatoon. And they said, oh, you happen to be here. Would you be interested in, in, in a few gigs? And I took some, you know. And even when I got to Vancouver, it was at around Christmas, you know, because by the, I started January and I got to Vancouver by Christmas, I mean, by December. And I still needed to sort of like make some more money to keep on going. So I took a break and then I flew to Europe for a bit for a few international gigs and worked and then flew back, you know, two weeks later and then I resumed my journey in uh, January. Oh, cool. Well, that's a nice, it's a little bit of better place to start in January for sure. If you <laughs> stay on the island, go up and down the coast. So now, now you come back and you're fully into your cycling. Um, I love your pictures. Um, they're really cool. 
Um, I would never have thought that saw that you were a DJ other than some of your other posts, but so where did this um, need or want to, you know, take on this next? So did, have you done anything since that bike across Canada? Yeah, uh, in 2019, when I turned 40, I decided to ride around the world, you know, and I actually what? started. Yeah, so I actually started, I went from Montreal to Boston, and then from Boston, I flew to Bristol in the UK. And then from there, I rode, you know, across the UK, the Netherlands, Belgium, France, and Switzerland. And then by February, by February, this thing called COVID-19 paralyzed the world. And I retreated to, you know, I said, okay, this is what's going on. And then I went to London just to sit it out. And then the high commission there, you know, the embassy called me and said, I think you should go back home because things are getting bad and borders are shutting down. And we don't know if you can provide consular uh, um, assistance if something happened. So you might reconsider going back home, you know. And anyway, it's, you know, it's 14 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> and <laughs> so then I returned back to Montreal. I mean, I, I flew back to Montreal and pretty much that became the end of my ride around the world, you know, and that ride, I was riding it for charity for World Bicycle Relief, which is a charity that provides bicycle to children in uh, rural Africa among some of the recipients. So that uh, one of the reasons that why some people don't go to school is simply because they can't get there because it's too far. And for me, it's, you know, it's, it's almost mind boggling, but it's a reality. And so I like the fact that there's you know, um, um, a charity that took it up on, you know, a nonprofit that took it up on themselves to bridge that gap quite literally. And so I decided to write for them because the first time was, you know, when I rode across Canada, the first time that was my ride, it was for my own, you know, but then of course this was my ride too, but then I could use the notoriety that I had accumulated through the cycling to actually give back, you know, in my own way, because I can, you know, you, both things can coexist. I can be other, you know, have, I'm going on my journey and, you know, seeing the world, but also raising awareness for a, and, and funds for a cause that's, that's dear to me. So when I came back from, you know, I came back to Canada and I said, you know, I, we were in quarantine and then by June, I got restless. And in, in uh, August, 2020, I flew to Vancouver and then I decided to ride across Canada again. So I, went, I flew to Vancouver and I rode all the way to, to the New Brunswick border because I couldn't get into Atlantic Canada. So right. that's where because of the, of the lockdown. They turned you so, around. <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't allowed there. So that I didn't even try, you know, I didn't even try because, so, so basically I rode across Canada the second time. And, and then I came here, I spent winter here. And then in March, 2021, I was born in Montreal and I was cold and I was freezing and I couldn't ride my bike properly. So I moved to Vancouver and that's when I moved to Vancouver. Because then they can cycle all year, all year round, and and then I rode, you know, on the road, and and then I decided, okay, this is getting a little bit, you know, I'm stuck in one place. So in 2022, in January 2022, I'm going to ride around the USA because it's one country that I've always wanted to visit, and okay. I'm going to stick to continental, you know, to the continental side, because yeah. Alaska. Alaska, I'll deal with Alaska one day, but I feel that I've done Alaska with, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a certain in a way, because if you're riding from 
uh, let's say from uh, Prince George in, in BC all the way to the Arctic Ocean, it's the same thing if you're riding from, you know, from um, uh, Anchorage to all the way to Prudhoe Bay, you know, it's, it's the same thing, it's the same, it's, you know, it's just different border, but I mean, different country, but it's the same terrain, it's the same ride. And I feel I've done it, you know, I've done it before. And, you know, one day <laughs> as a reward, Sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah, one day as a reward, you know, when I finish with the US, maybe next winter, I mean, when I'm done, I'm going to go to Hawaii to complete the loop, you know? So oh, no, that's yeah. a good place to finish. Go. Yeah. Uh, well, but, I was... but for now, for now, I'm just going to ride, you know, on continental USA, starting in San Francisco, you know, and then go south to San Diego and then make a sharp left to go all the way to Miami, uh, New York, Portland, Maine, Portland, Rent, turn around, go towards uh, Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls, Chicago, Chicago, and then through the, you know, the Northern States all the way to Seattle, Seattle, make another shop left all the way to San Francisco. And that's going to be the end. <laughs> I of was looking at your itinerary. I was like, oh, cause it's on your Facebook. So everybody, if you can go to Facebook, I, I put the link there, but, and it's also the whole itinerary. I think I can put in the show notes, but it's all in, I was just like, Oh my God. So yeah. So you've got everything listed there. So if anybody wants to jump on and ride with you, they can just reach out and connect. Right. Yes. I love the fact when you say, yeah, so I just decided to bike across Canada. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I angst about going, you know, 80 kilometers down. And I just, I've, I've talked to more uh, cyclists like yourself who are biking such long distances. And I'm like, wow. But I understand that when you do it once, you're just like, yeah, I've done it. I can do it. I did it. And I'm going to do it again. And I know what to expect. I've made things better. I'm sure that through that first experience, you've improved your, you know, your, your gear, your, you know, your itinerary, um, all these things. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, cycling well, around the, the United ride, States. The first ride will always the most be the most difficult. For, oh, I know. For, because A, I didn't have experience. Two, I did it on a fixed gear bike with a bicycle with just one gear all, up, you know, oh. all, all across the country. And then number three, I rode across Canada in winter. So those, I started with the worst. I don't think that there's one ride that's gonna ever gonna do in my, in my life that's gonna be as complex. The rest, for instance, in the US, I'm starting in San Francisco in January, which is slightly warmer than anywhere else. And I'm going to, I'm going to be going against winter, meaning you know, I'm going, I'm going to be following the sun and the, and the, you know, I'm going to be going into the hot temperatures. And also the U.S. is an easier country to ride in than Canada because it's more populated. So I'm never going to be in really, really, really remote areas. And that alone helps because yeah. I can pack lighter. I can, you know, and it's safer and I can ride, you know, longer distances because if I, if I say, for instance, today I want to go for 200 kilometers and it doesn't pan out. And, and it says, okay, I can only do 100. I can find a town to stop. Whereas when I rode across Canada, I needed to ride those 200 kilometers because otherwise there would be nothing. Yeah, and right. It was, <laughs> and it was minus 30, you know, uh, Celsius. Yeah. So I had to do I had okay, to really Matt, you must have, you must have froze every day. 
Uh, not really, because on a bicycle, you, your body, you know, your body's as long as you sheltered from the wind and from, you know, and I had like some bar mitts and, you know, to protect my hands. As long as I kept pedaling, I was okay. The one time I had a flat, it wasn't fun, you know, but other than that, it was, as long as I kept pedaling, I was actually, the reason I froze the most, I almost died from, from I almost froze to death actually, was because I was I overdressed and I got, I started sweating. And then I unzipped everything and the sweat froze. And I could never make it, you know, so the fact that I had all my sweat, my body was, you know, my sweat was frozen and I started freezing. And I, even though with the pedaling, I could not get it to melt fast enough. So I almost started, you know, going through like hypothermia. But fortunately for me, I saw, you know, a bunch of hills, a bunch of hills came up. And then, you know, with the effort, I got extra warm and I was able to, you know, stay, uh, to get warmer again. So I learned the lesson is always make sure that I'm a little bit running cold because running, like sweating a lot, was the one thing that almost got me into big trouble. I know they say like, you know, well, when you're working outside, you know, try not to wear too much or work too hard to over sweat and then, you know, ultimately freeze to death because you've created so much perspiration on your, your body. Yeah. Oh my God. So let's just, um, so do you want to talk more about how you like your current mission? Let's talk more about that because um, this is where we really want to um, gain a lot of awareness. I mean, I know that your, you know, your social platforms are huge. Um, I want to be able to help with our podcast. Um, so can you talk more about how you, like, have you been to Africa and actually um, seen the girls or, or, you know, or the organ or gone to Africa to um, work closely with the organization? Like, how did you decide on this mission so um basically when i decided to go on another trip i said you know what i should have a cause and one of the things is i knew some people i mean i mean i was i was born and raised in africa so and i'm aware that in rural africa some you know some children did not go to school for the simple reason that they couldn't get to school and for me it was all a problem that always bothered me and then when i get into cycling i was like oh maybe if you get them school if you get them bikes then they can get to school. But then I figured, um, I can't be the only one who thought of this. There must be somebody out there who thought of that. And, and then I just went on, I made an internet research and then I found World Bicycle Relief. And I saw what they were doing was even actually better than what I had in mind. Because most people will take bikes and take them to places to donate them. But then what happens when the bike breaks break down? There are no components, there's nothing. So basically what they're doing is I mean, they're not doing it in a purpose, but they're doing it accidentally. They're just dumping. Because if I come and I give you a bike and I don't give you a way to repair it, once it breaks down, then it just goes into the dumpster. So what Bicycle Relief does is very different. They actually send the parts in the given communities and then they, they find, they find entrepreneur, entrepreneur people who manage to... Yeah to, to like run a bike shop and then they build the bikes and, you know, and when they provide them to the children and to the, they also, you know, they also give them to like farmers and to entrepreneur and to, and to healthcare workers. But for me, my focus is on children, um, you know, especially young girls, but, you know, they do 
the, you know, it's mobility for the whole continent. But for me, I chose the program I chose is, you know, child education. And so what they do is then if the bike breaks down or has a problem, then it goes to the mechanic and it's fixed. So then it creates a local, some sort of local economy, which is becomes autonomous. And for me, that was more empowering than just a handout. And then, okay, now you're stuck with a bike that's broken. So, so and, and then I decided, okay, from there, I'd rather let people who will be doing it for more than 10 years because, um, the, and, the, and the charity was founded by the owners, I mean, the founders of uh, SRAM, you know, the bike components company. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to ask who they were kind of affiliated yeah. with. Yeah, so it's, the founders of the... That's, it's the founders of SRAM that started the company. So obviously, um, I mean, the, the charity is not autonomous, but, you know, but they get a lot of support from the cycling, you know, from those cycling brands. So they have a big, you know, they have like, you know, they, they, they can get by and, you know, and then from there, they, 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 they you know, um, the help comes from the, from the, you know, for people like me and fundraisers. As I, and I told myself, these people are doing a far better job than I can do. And, and I'm not, I'm a DJ and what do I know about running charities and, you know, like logistics? Let me just support them, you know. And so I contact them. I told them, "Is there a way to maybe raise funds for you?" And they said, "Oh yeah, here, here it is. We can work this out." And then they created my uh, uh, my page on their platform. So when people donate, I don't touch the money, and it never comes to my bank account. It goes one hundred percent goes to them, and then and then they go towards the program. They also have very good, uh, you know, they have very good ratings on Charity Navigator for the way they okay. manage their funds. Because that's, that's important. important, you know, we don't want to, yeah. nobody wants to give money to charities that, you know, spend it on overhead over the program. Like, for instance, one of the things I like about them is most of them work remotely, which, you know, before it became a thing, most of them worked remotely. So they don't have expensive offices, they don't have, you know, and when they need offices, they usually get offices in companies that donate them office space. So, so that they can just uh, turn, you know, use all the resources for the programs, which is for me, you know, if I'm out there peddling like a madman and raising money, I don't want it to go to pay for some person who needs to fly on a private jet or in first class, you know what I mean? So I really like what they do. And so I haven't been to Africa yet for the program because it was going to be part of my world tour because after Europe, I was supposed to go to Africa and tour Africa. And then from there, I was gonna, you know, sort of like give a live, you know, like on social media, I was gonna give a live, like feedback from there. This is what's going on. This is where the bikes are, but it never panned out. And in the future, I'm thinking, I mean, I think the US is gonna be my second last big ride. And then from there, if I can pull it off, I'd like to ride around Africa, you know, because I've, like I said- I've I'm heard- Go ahead. What have you heard? No, well, I was just say because I interviewed a, um, a gentleman from Italy who cycled down the south side of Africa, and it's the most dangerous side because typically everybody goes on to, sorry, not the south, the um, west side where Sierra Leone is. Is that the west side? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so that's west. The west. Yeah. yeah. So the west side is... Um, is more difficult, more corrupt. Like it's just harder. And he basically 
he had to turn around and fly back because he got kidnapped and um, they basically were able to rescue him and sent him home. So, <laughs> but the other side, the east side is supposed to be much more friendly. So just so you know, <laughs> when you go and do it, um, because, well, and I, so world, I interviewed, pardon? The world can be a dangerous place anywhere, you know? I mean, I know, I'm, I know. I'm, I mean, the way I look in some parts of the U.S. can be very dangerous for me too. So yeah. it's you probably you know, wouldn't have time, uh, have time, had trouble. Um, but uh, anyways, so I had interviewed him, and I'll send you the link. Um, and then I also interviewed a bike, uh, a bike team from Sierra Leone. So this gentleman has a bike shop, and he started a cycling club for for youth, and they have to. Um, so he basically recruits um, young men and women to their cycling, like basically getting them off the street. They have to have good grades. So they have to be going through school, have like sort of like, you know, a vision um, and they're doing amazing things. Um, it's called the Flames Cycling Club. Uh, and so they're based in Sierra Leone. And just recently they brought on some women or some women, some girls to their team. And they're being sponsored by, um, they're being helped out by some gentlemen in the UK and the United States. And it was just like a whole uh, connection thing that I got into. And it was, and I was just thinking about like, you know, this in Africa, I, I'm just wondering if they're even connected to that, you know, cause it's like just connecting everybody. I don't know, but we can find out, but just for the record, I just need to clarify that. Africa is not like a corrupt or dangerous place and this and that. Oh, because I know. That's, these, are the, these are the stereotypes I'm trying to erase. So, you know, you're, unfortunately your interview topics, he got, in, you know, he got into that situation. Yeah. I also can name a thousand people who've ridden across the, the continent and single women, you know, women who are like, you know, women who are like by themselves and they fared better. You know, it's unfortunate for what happened to him. But let's just not paint the continent as corrupt and this and that. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. That's, yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just yeah. saying that is, I don't know. It was just from his, um, maybe his knowledge. He, he, he was unfortunate. He, you know. you yeah, know, he was unfortunate. He was un yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it I mean, panned out I rode really across well Canada and when I When I rode across Canada, I got charged by bisons. And I was lucky. Oh, bisons. The <laughs> and... I could have died too, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. there's danger everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there danger is. everywhere. Yeah, so. yeah. But well, th but that was just his story, right? It wasn't, and he is was looking forward to, to do it again. Like he wants to go back, but again, it was COVID stopped him from his yeah. his continued trip. Um, but it was just uh, interesting. And then I've, uh, I know some other people who want to do Africa as well. So, but um I mean, a lot of people yeah. have done it. It's just like most yeah. things in life, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the worst situation, the worst stories make the best stories. But, the, you know, yes. for every incident like that, there are hundreds of people who managed to do it. And it's unfortunate for him. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not, it's unfortunate and it happened, you know, but it's. A well, it's not going to stop him from trying it again. So let's just say that. Exactly. So it can't be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> he's a world traveler like you um yeah i mean and, he's uh, probably more hardcore than me 
It's probably more harder yes. than me because <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I'm, I still like my little comfort and I don't go for as long. I mean, I was trying to, but obviously COVID said, no, you're not going anywhere. So yeah, now exactly. you know, I have to do some, you know, some short trips. Well, I mean, you got yourself set up for a pretty long one. So that's, um, do you have any closing comments or feedback or um, maybe words of wisdom that you want to share with um, your audience, our audience, our listeners, um, as you know, the, the year ends and you, you know, embark on this next journey, which we're all going to watch well, now. Well, um, if I were, you know, if I tell your listeners and, you know, anyone listening to, you know, stumbling on this after, uh, maybe next time you want to travel, consider it to be a back trip. And a back trip doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have to go from your place and go somewhere far. But, you know, let's say, for instance, you can go, you can, you know, next time when the board, you know, when travel fully resumes, instead of flying to Paris and going around, you know, why not get, you know, pack your bag. And then when you land in Paris, you drive in like Provence or other places or, you know, in, you know, and see the world by bike. Or even better yet, why don't you start in your own province, in your own state, in your own community? Because, you know, everyone is going to be hurting and, you know, they need support. But I think that the world should be seen on two wheels. And, and it's something that's so liberating, you know. I mean, I've taken, I've, I, you know, I also drive and I drive a lot. And, but exploring a place by, you know, going through by, by car and by bike are two different experiences. I mean, for the simple fact that sometimes you can be going through a place and you never even smell it because you, you know, you had the air conditioning, your windows are shut, you don't know what's going on. But when you're riding through it, you know, even when you're passing by farms and even though it smells like cow poo, it's still <laughs> part of the experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would, so if anyone is listening is, you know, consider your next getaway and it doesn't have to be like crazy, like six months like me, but it can be even the weekend, you know, why don't you go on one side of the part of your city or of your, you know, of your metropolitan area, the bike and, you know, camp or go or going to uh, Airbnb like I do. And you'll, and that's how, before you know it, that's how you're going to find yourself cycling across a country, a continent or the whole planet. And, you know, while you're at it, if you're sharing, you know, if you're sharing it to your friends and family back home or you on social, social media, why not use it to raise attention and funds for World Bicycle Relief? I think I love that. And, you know, it's so true, um, Jay, that I've seen, and maybe it's just because I'm putting myself in that space, is that I've seen more local places that people are uh, bikepacking. And I've also, and it's just getting out of my own fear of going a distance camping and you know continuing like a trip but that I kind of want to get over I know it's just about getting over myself right it's just like you know Sylvie just go do it um and then and then like everything else it'll be like oh that wasn't that bad you know I've done yeah. way worse <laughs> I felt I mean, way worse <laughs> I tell people to just take it easy like to literally yeah. let's say if there are Let's say, for instance, in your case, you live in, you know, you live in that, you know, you can just ride all the way from, let's say you ride on one side of Ottawa, ride there and then check into Airbnb on, you know, for one day 
and then come back the next day. You know, it's the mental, the mental yeah. fact that you spent, that you did not spend, you, need, you know, you wrote somewhere and then you came back the next day. Then next time you're like, hmm, maybe I can go further or can stay for longer. You can do this, you know what I mean? And then before you know it, I mean, because, I, you know, I was riding big distances before I went to ride around Canada. That's how it built up. It's not like, okay, I got my bike and I started and I, and I left. I was riding a lot and then I realized, oh my goodness, in the whole summer, I rode 5,000 kilometers. And I was like, wow. what can I do with that? And that's how, <laughs> I, and that's how I kept going. So, wow. like for instance, in your situation, you can do that. Or if you have like, you know, I don't know, let's say if you have like friends or somebody, you can say, okay, the person with your family, you say, okay, instead of going us to get in a car, we meet there, you know, you're driving, so you can carry my stuff and I just carry the, the essentials I need on the bike. And then you yeah. ride there and then you, you get there and then you have your family time and then on the way back, they drive again and then you ride back. That alone is so empowering that, you know, that's how you start, you know, baby steps. I don't really advise people to start, okay, I've never done this before. Let me do it the way, like for instance, the way I did it. I mean, the one but thing- if was, you're if you're doing it around Montreal, you probably like, you know, hey, maybe I went to Bromont stayed and came back. Maybe I went up to the Laurentians and came back. You know, like yeah. you said, like the short trips. I would actually go so far that initially I was so dumb. I would go so far that I would forget. <laughs> I would forget that I have to do the return trip. So for instance, <laughs> I would go so far and then I would like, hang on a minute, it's six o'clock. And technically I'm halfway because I need to turn around. So then I would have to go into like a, into like a Tim Hortons or something. And then call yep. somebody in Montreal. Hey, do you mind coming all the way to like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no idea where I am. Can I just keep, <laughs> ping my location? Can you come, can you fetch me please? And my friend was like, why don't you like, we should remember that you have to come back. And I'm like, oh yeah, but I never thought of it because you just want to keep going and keep going. And then you, you forget, right. that you have to come, you know, you have to turn around. So don't make that same mistake that I did. Yeah, you got some good friends. Like, well, where are you? What, like? three hours away <laughs> no nah, because i mean i guilt trip them i told them do you want to tell your children that their uncle that the uncle you know were in trouble because he didn't go and pick him up yeah and then they were like ah, well if you put it like that you know yeah right yeah. <laughs> well i do little things like that like say we're going to a friend's and i'm like okay well i'm gonna bike from here to there stay and then i'll come back so yeah. i do do like the one and i'm gonna do something like that on saturday because we're going to yeah. Um, like a camp. But the thing is that I'm like, oh, well, I have to sleep outside. But no, I don't have to sleep no, outside. I've, I've, been, I've ridden across yeah. Canada and I've ridden all around Europe and across Canada the second time. I've never camped, never. I've never slept outside, never. Because it's not my cup of tea. And also, yeah. I can barely, you know, I've never camped in my life. So, add, you know, riding long distances and adding camping, something for, you know. Mm -hmm. That would have been too much but also i was riding in winter and also if you're camping it means that you're making your own food which means you're carrying more cargo and a tent that's my uh -huh. way and for me i'm interested in riding across places not not camping around places because for me it's not it's not what i'm into you know i'm not worse for some people i have some friends for them the appeal is to be able to sleep outside for me the appeal is to be able to ride my bicycle you know you know, so I like that mindset, that thought, because I was like, yeah, you know, I, I have to. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I need all this gear and it's got to be really light. How am I going to pack my bag? And then I just sort of like discourage myself. And then I'm like, oh, I need this fancy bike. And no, you don't need a fancy bike. You just need a bike. 
Yeah. And people, I, yeah, I like what you, I like, I like yeah. how you've done that. You know, sometimes and some, people, some people in the back touring industry, you know, in the back, you know, scene who are like very, I just come from my gear. Sometimes they tend to look down on people because they call them credit card tours. <laughs> like, you, know, just, you know, you just, you have the thing easy, but you know, as you know, none of them are paying my rent and they're running my life. So I think I can do things the way I want to do them. You know what I mean? So, I like it. you know, yeah. so it's one of those things, you know, one of those things about people's expectations and how things are supposed to be, you know, yes, there are way there are, just because people, everyone does things certain way does not mean that you have to do them that way. And that's what I'm actually getting at. You know, it's, if you want yeah. to go right across Canada on an electric bike, you do what you want to do, you know? Why wouldn't you do it, you know what I mean? I'd rather see people on electric bikes, for instance, than not out there, you know? Yeah. You know, so, and people should do whatever they want. So that's why I tell people like, find what works for you. Like for instance, one of the, one of the byproducts of being a DJ that a lot of people know is that then a lot of people, I know a lot of people who live a lot of places and most of them, they're like, oh, I've been listening to music so much. The least I can do is, you know, have you over and give you like, you know, offer you a warm bed or, or sofa and then a hot meal and then you can go on the next day, you know. Yeah. It's give and take, you know. They've been listening yeah. to music for, you know, it's helped them go through university, you know, mm -hmm. through like work, focus and this and that. They've danced to it and for them saying, oh, you know, we'd like to host you overnight, you know, and also you're doing, you're raising money for charity so that you can, you know, spend your personal money wisely. You know, it's, it's the world going around, you know, it's, it's the world going around. So, but at the end of the day, it's, I tell people, if you really look at the reason why you don't want to do things, there's a reason behind it. You know, people will say, yeah, but I'm scared of cars. I'm like, well, you know, you can ride in many parts of Canada where you don't have to deal with cars. One, one of them is called gravel riding. You know, if you, there are many gravel oh, roads yeah, yeah. that are close to cars and you can just ride on them, you know? There's yes. a Trans-Canada Trail. Yeah, you, you can, follow, you, you know. You follow that. Or I've told people in Montreal that I've ridden, you can, hunt, you can ride 160 kilometers in Montreal without having to deal with one car. And I know, oh. because, I know because if you, you know, you, you just have to ask around. I'm like, if you ask me, I can, I can get you routes that you can ride. <laughs> you like, Follow me on Strava and you can see yeah. everything. <laughs> I mean, even the same thing with, you know, with Ottawa. Ottawa can do loops that you don't have to deal with cars, you know? So mm -hmm. tell people saying that you, you're scared of cars. No, you can just take your car. You can just take your bike, put it in your car, go towards the first, the bicycle uh, trail. And then from there, you just do your loops around. You ride for mm -hmm. like a day if you want to. And then you come back to your car and then you're safe, you know? So saying that you're scared of cars is no reason to ride a bike. There's always a solution. You know, the only, honestly, the only reason you shouldn't, you know, you couldn't ride, even if you have breathing problems, well, don't ride for too long, ride a little bit. Or, well, and again, ride an electric bike if you can afford it. Because, I'm, and also when it comes to bikes, like for instance, in my situation, I ride very nice bikes, but that's because it's my choice. You know, I don't own a car. I don't own a home. I don't have mortgages to pay. So, um, I spoiled myself with nice bikes. Bike, you know yeah. what I mean? But when, uh -huh. one time I went to Tulum in Mexico and I didn't bring my bike, but the hotel had some beat up, rusted bike. And then I told my friend, let's go, let's go explore. The bikes were not, they didn't even have like, the chain was completely rusted and everything and that. 
but I can easily say it was one of the best rides in my life because I was on a better bike, but I was with my friend and we went to Loon by the beach, by the water, you know, like, you know, the, you know, salty air and this and that. So it was the experience, not the bike, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I tell, I tell everyone, and I'm, I guess I'll tell your listeners, but I think your listeners know, you know, know that because if they listen to a certain podcast, it means they already know this, that it doesn't matter. You know, we have to do things our own way. So just get up and ride. You know what? I love this because I've been, I had a friend who did a little bike trip with her daughter, but she camped. And I'm like, and then I, I looked at my daughter. I said, hey, would you like to go for a cycling camping trip? She's <laughs> like, no, but I bet you if I said if we were biking to a nice hotel or not hotel or like an Airbnb or somewhere that we would stay yeah. inside, that would be way more appealing for yeah. her and I would get her interested. And I don't know why I didn't think about stuff like that. I was just sort of like, you know, it has to be this way and that's what everybody's doing. And 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 I I like that sir it's giving me the um permission to look at it differently instead of like you know my backpacking friends who sleep on the side of the road or in church back uh you know camp along their trails um instead of uh seeking out like hotels or whatever I mean because um because I like to have a shower every day I like to shower every day you know what I mean and I like to be able to <laughs> sleep in four corners knowing that I don't have to worry about what's going on around me you know yeah I mean? because mm -hmm. I need to write but that's me and just because other people are comfortable sleeping outside and this and that it's okay just as for instance I don't mind riding a bicycle at minus 40 uh, celsius which is also minus 40 fahrenheit I don't mind riding across Canada in winter but it's not everyone's cup of tea but it's my cup of tea so I'm doing it now would I tell anybody who rode across Canada, yeah, you only rode across Canada in summer, so that's not badass enough, you should have done it winter. No, because what matters to me is that, wow, you rode across Canada, and it doesn't matter whether you rode from, let's say, even if, even if you rode from Vancouver and you stopped in Toronto, and you didn't go all the way to the Atlantic, for me, that's still crossing a country, you know what I mean? So, but people, and it's one of the people, you know, it's one of the things that I really dislike about the cycling industry, the whole elitism and the whole, you know, divisions and this and that, and that is why, you know, even though I'm, you know, I don't call myself a cyclist, I just call myself somebody who rides bicycles because I don't want to, I don't want that title because it comes with a lot of, you have to okay. do this, you have to do that, you have to do that. I just ride my bike my way and the way I see things. Ah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, with that, um, this episode or interview has been absolutely amazing and, you know, it's just made me feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, I've been riding for 20 years, 25 years. Um, well, I started with a banana seed bike. Let's, let's like just date my age. Um, but you know, cycling here has been part of my, my life and that's why this podcast is here, but you've given me a lot of things to, think about Jay and I really appreciate you for that so with that I want to thank you so much Jay for being and being able to fit this interview in last minute before you before your life gets crazy and hopefully we'll be able to connect in Ottawa next week when you're in I know uh, you know when you're visiting family you're visiting family <laughs> you're, you're thinking about <laughs> Not a whole lot of other things. Um, 
but make sure everybody you check out the show notes, check out his um, social media platforms, check out his music. Um, look at the, what is it? The bike world bicycle bike, relief, uh, world bicycle relief. Um, and, uh, we'll put a direct link there to the charity that he's working for when he starts in January. And we will be talking about this when he's out there. How do you, how long are you going to be out uh, cycling months. across six months? Okay. Because, um, so as that's... a Canadian citizen, I can only stay in the U S for six months as a tourist. Oh yeah, you're right. So was that to July? July, he'll be back in on Canadian soil. So we will be supporting you 100%. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you to our listeners. Please share this with somebody you know who loves cycling as much as we do. And don't forget to, you know, give us a great review. Let us know what you think. Some of the biggest takeaways. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.